go ahead. You can be seated for just a moment. We're going to handle Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5 today, uh, just to give you a little bit of a prequel to the sermon. Uh, this is called the Shema. The Shema means uh, the very first word in this verse says listen. And the Hebrew word for listen is Shema. It means to listen and it means to obey. Today in the sermon, you're going to be seeing patterns. I'm going to give you patterns today, very important patterns in life. I had a conversation in between the first service and this one, and I was telling somebody, I said, uh, you read about people in scripture and you and I have them on a great big pedestal, uh, thinking they are just great men and women of faith, and they are. But scripture usually, uh, like even Elijah, Elijah could do incredible things for the Lord. But James writes, he was an ordinary man. He was just an ordinary man. Have you ever wondered what separates people that we have as giants in the faith uh, and different from us? And here's what I'm gonna tell you. You're gonna find the patterns of their life. The patterns of their life are what can be the difference in seeing who they are and, and what they're doing for the Lord, okay? I want you to see that. <clears throat> a man that heavily influenced Julian me is a man by the name of T.W. Hunt, written several Bible studies. And uh, when I got to know him personally, I saw the pattern of his life and it was incredible. So when the sermon comes today, I want you to be listening and looking for the patterns. We're gonna pray again. Uh, Logan's already led you. You can't pray too much, can you? Uh, and we're going to pray again. We're going to give the Lord thanks even for the ruling that has happened. Uh, we want to rejoice in that. I've already done that in my, my private worship to the Lord. But I, I want you to know about your church for just a moment. I want to call attention. And there's, there's a, a, there can be a lot of rhetoric about now we've got to do this and now we've got to do that. I just want you to know your church has been caring for people in this, in this arena of life for a long, long time. Um, as a pastor, I'm not a boycotter and I'm not a protester and I don't run to the rotunda. That's just not the way I work. And uh, I, 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 I get senators and representatives, I get their phone numbers and I text them and sometimes sit in on committees and just listen to what's going on and try to have an influence in that way. Uh, but your church, this church, you have been dealing with... Uh, Children, you, what we do for children is incredible. Uh, just a, we take it for granted, but a, a daily, a daily uh, a kid's way with all that they're doing and taking care of children Monday through Friday with our daycare uh, is this there. We get rave reports from people uh, that tell us how good it is for their children. And, we're, and, it, and it has a biblical curriculum to it. You need to know that. Our, our children, you help sponsor, you're not the sole sponsor, but you help sponsor five international orphanages. We do that every month with your tithes and offerings. We give to them. In Guatemala, Honduras, uh, we have Uganda, and we have Kenya, uh, we have Haiti. Uh, and now Justin and them are going to Thailand and I'm sure we'll connect with them in some way. And, and there's a con continued connection anyway, but we'll see more. 
you do that with what we do with children on Sunday morning. I, I, I mean, in Bible school, kids camps coming up. Um, there's just a whole lot of focus on children, and I want you to see that. Uh, that it's going to be a continued deal. We we really do champion fostering as foster parents, and many of you in this room are fostering children as we speak, and you are adopting these children, and it's incredible in what you're doing in those areas. Um, as we speak, we are dealing with uh, avenues for women and helping a young mom. We, when I say as we speak, I mean these conversations were Thursday and Friday, and then they will continue tomorrow uh, in being able to help in any way we can a mom who is going to keep her child. Uh, so we, we want you to see that. Around here, I'm, I'm, I'm known as the pastor of women who've had abortions. They come here, and not only to our church, but they come here for counseling and pastoral care, and we see them redeemed and forgiven and confessional. And uh, there's just a lot of things that I want you to know about that. I, I've, I, Julie and I have... Uh, have actually intervened in the lives of people that had appointed abortions, even in, in other states. And we intervened and uh, we've held those children. We've held that child uh, that God had used our church to be able to rescue. Uh, so I, I want you to know that, that it's not we're going to begin taking care of this. I just want you to know it's going to be a continued deal because we have for such a long time. And you're giving. I want you to, we're going to take an offering here in a moment, right? Right after I make you cry somewhere. I, it's always, always good to take an offering after I make you cry. Um, but we're going to take an offering here in a minute. And you're, I just want you to know your gifts to this church make all of everything I just said to you possible. I just want you to know that you, you, you give us salaries so we can minister to people in, in these very catastrophic points of their life. Uh, we're able to be able to do that. And I just want to, before we take an offering here in a moment and pray and take an offering, I want to just thank you. Thank you for your giving because we're able to be able to take care of this. And, and as I'm saying, there's another young mother, single mom that we're helping in helping her find a place to live. And that's, we're gonna be talking to them on Monday as well. I just want you to see that, okay? Not that we're gonna start it because of this ruling the other day. We've been doing this for a long time and we, it's gonna be a continued care for people, okay? So I want, you to, I want you to know that. Two Sundays ago, we dealt with the hospitality of our Lord, uh, talking about that it's his hospitality and ours. And I just, even the basic, the basic invitation that you give people to join you here in worship, I want to thank you. Many of you are doing that and you're doing it well. Just continue to be able to do that. As refugees leave Ukraine and move into other countries, uh, they're coming to know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And they're doing it based on the hospitality. The hospitality alone that the other countries are showing they're letting people uh, into their homes, not refugee shelters, into their homes. Hear this, they don't even speak the same language. And they're welcoming them in their homes and uh, teaching them about the Lord. And because of the, the hospitality of Christians, more people are putting their faith and trust in Christ. 
Sunday, last Sunday, we dealt with David's question, who can ascend the hill of the Lord and who can stand in his holy place? Two great questions. All of them have a desire to be in his presence, to even be in the moment of worship alone. So today, we're going to hear the Lord say some things about himself that are incredible. And then we're going to, we're, we're going to see how he has us to be able to focus on who he is. I've been saying this for a long time. I've been here since uh, 1994. And I, I saw it happening then. And I had to watch it with it happening to even my own family. Is this world is busy, busy, busy. We took a little bit of a break with uh, the COVID and may have done it even in anger, uh, but things got a little, a, a little less busy. Uh, I think they're getting busier. I, I don't think the price of gasoline is, is causing you to not travel, uh, even though we can complain about it. It is me. I'm not taking as many unnecessary trips as I used to take. Um, but sometimes slowing down is a mere thought. And I, I, I have seen this. I believe what I'm going to tell you today is true. And I think the, the busyness that we have, the, the multitasking that we champion, and then when we champion it, it just encourages more multitasking. I, I just think it's part of the enemy's plan to drift you away from the Lord. And you're going to say, well, preacher, I completely disagree with you, and that's fine. You can. I'm pretty much set in stone in that because it, it just gets us to a place where we lose focus. The faster you go through life, you lose focus. You'll go through life so quick you don't even notice your children are growing. Uh, we, we say it, you know, what's happened? What has happened that I've gotten to this moment and not paid any attention? Uh, why, talking about, why talking about busyness right now in just a moment, why is it such a big deal as we enter into this passage? One thing that'll happen if you're not careful is the world will tell you, which I think is a big lie, and it's a worldly lie, that the busier you are, the more important you are. The, the busier you are, the level of importance you have reached. And not only that, the busier you are, you think you have the greatest influence. And, and I, I say this back to the children's story. I want to remind you that the turtle won the race. Okay? I just want to remind you that. Uh, it's the, the busier we get, the more we lose focus. The more we l lose our, our fixation on the things that are most important in our life. Let me, let me give you a personal story. Uh, recently, uh, I, I left my vehicle at a dealership and picked up another one and drove it for about a day uh, only to take it back. But our, our cars are 10 years old and nine years old. So our, our cars are, are a little old. Julie's car and my car are pretty old. And so the newer cars have things on them that I have never seen before. And uh, I, I remember when I got in this vehicle, I parked it for the very first time and there was an alarm that chimed and there was a digital reading on the dashboard that reminded me to check my back seat. I, had, I would just want you to know, I knew they were on cars, but I had never personally seen one in my life. 
and I stared at it. I said, really? Now, am, am, I, am I gonna speak to a specific point here? I am, maybe not the point you think it is, but we, we are so busy. Are you listening? We are so busy that we can forget what is in the car. And, and it, 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 only, it only proves my point. And my point is that the busier we get, the less we focus, and the less we focus on the necessary things. If you read scripture, and I hope you do, Jesus is constantly reminding us, his word is reminding us, don't forsake me, which is not a word we use, but it means don't forget me. Because so quickly, we are quick to forget. Uh, today, we're gonna take communion, and it's a lot of things. It's a point of confession, it's a place of surrender, it's a place for you to bring all your negative emotions and lust and envy and pride and hate and anger and rage and worry and doubt and all those things and bring them to this table and lay them down. It's all those things, but it's, a, it's also a time to remember. Jesus says when you do this, he says, remember me. Scripture is filled with don't forget me, don't forsake me, and even ordinances of the church to, not for, to remember him and not forget what he has done for us. How quickly we forget. Uh, my pattern tonight, I will be in my office at the house and I, I take a blank sheet of paper and it's paper that I've already used. I just turn it over and use the backside. And I put Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I start writing down what I know and fill in my days. And then like a, a funeral tomorrow, that, that comes in and messes up my schedule. And then I have to redo it. But tonight, I will sit down and go through my week and write it on a piece of paper. Uh, who, who I'm going to see, counseling sessions I may have, whatever is going on, I'll write that down. I do that. Why do I do that? So that I will remember, right? And then after I get that done, I'll start working on next Sunday's sermon. I'll be doing that tonight. And I've already been working on it, but I'll start formatting it a little more. And uh, I, I was uh, doing that this week and Tuesday, about Tuesday, I couldn't remember what I preached Sunday. And guys, I preached that thing three times. And I, I did all the groundwork for it. And then I, I looked back, I got on my, my pages app and I looked at it and I saw the verse and I immediately knew the sermon. But for, a, for just a moment, I forgot even what I preached about on Sunday and I'm the, I'm the preacher. You know how quickly it can happen to us. Do you see? I mean, don't, don't think, it's, it's, it's just incredible. Um, even Samuel there's times he talked about he forgets to pray. And he said, Lord, forgive me of the sin of prayerlessness. And I think God knows that too because the Holy Spirit sometimes intercedes for us in prayer. It says Jesus intercedes for us in prayer. Do you, do you, do you see, we can just be a forgetful group of people, can't we? All of us. That doesn't make us wrong. It just means there needs to be some adjustments and the, the adjustments today, and I, I said this to you earlier, is I want you to see the patterns today. I hope you really pick up on the patterns that I'm gonna be giving you today. So let's look at verse four. 
It's called the Shema, as I told you earlier, because the word listen means Shema, the word listener here. And it means to obey. When you hear the word listen, when God says listen, it doesn't just mean hear, it means to obey, that there's an obedience that finds it. I know in my life, parents, employers, mentors, teachers, coaches, even other preachers, when, they, when we say listen to us, it's don't just hear us, but it means begin the obedience that goes along with it. In the Jewish life, and you're going to say, well, preacher, we're not Jewish. Well, we do share this scripture together, and we share especially the first five books of the Bible together. But in that, there's a pattern here that I think is really important for us to be able to see. Uh, they would say the Shema twice daily. It, it was, it's equivalent to us teaching the Lord's Prayer. And there's an argument on whether it's a prayer or if it's just a basic confession. Uh, in their life, this Shema, these verses would be twice daily, in the morning when they wake up and in the evening when they go to rest. Sometimes three times a day, they would in, include in the middle of the day as well. The Shema is their, their foundational confession. It's like our John 3.16. Uh, all Sabbath worship, all Sabbath worship contains the proclamation of the Shema, Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four and five. Uh, if you've ever seen worship at the Wailing Wall, which is the, the Western wall of the temple, the only wall that's left, uh, their belief system is not ours, but their belief system is that God's spirit lives in that wall. And they go and pray there, if you've ever been there. Uh, there's a women's section of prayer and a men's section for prayer. Don't you know I got in the wrong line one time, okay? I just want you to know that. And quickly, the guards came, and I was like, I'm sorry, man. I didn't, I just, I'm Baptist. You know, I didn't know. I, I'm sorry about that. Uh, so uh, they, uh, they would, uh, they'll write their prayers on a little piece of paper, and they'll roll it up like a scroll, and it'll be filled in all the cracks of the blocks as far, as tall as they can reach or as low as they can reach. And if you see them worshiping there, a lot of them have what's called phylacteries, and it is a, it is a, a winding leather strap on their arm, and there'll be a box a little leather box that's right here uh, about uh, the, the crease of their arm or their elbow. And it'll have Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5 in that box. You'll see them, part of the phylacteries is a, 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 a leather workmanship on their head with a little box on their forehead. And inside that box is Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5, the Shema. If you go into hotels or houses, you'll see the mezuzah. And the mezuzah is a little rectangle box that's on the door frame. And inside that, uh, it's connected to the door frames. And inside of it is Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four and five, the Shema. There's, a, there's these incredible patterns they have because this is the Lord telling them about himself. This is not somebody else telling others about who God is. This is God telling them about himself. Uh, a, a young boy, as quick as he can speak, will be taught to quote and to recite the Shema. I want you to look at verse seven, which is a continuation of an exp explanation of the Shema. And this is a parenting thing for you. It is something I believe that we can bring over into our own life. Teach them, teach them, Repeat them to your children. 
Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Uh, a parenting issue is, and I believe this, that uh, should I be an example of faith to your children? I should, absolutely. But I shouldn't be the example of faith. It needs to be you. They're gonna learn it from you. They're gonna learn if they, they should take this seriously or not. To, to every mom and dad in here, and, and, and you listen, you've got your own parenting to do, and, and I, I, I can only tell you to listen, hopefully obey, but I'm just gonna tell you, your children, for their future faith, is gonna get their cues from you. Is gonna get their cues from you. What, what is going on, and they saw it important or not important. Do I believe God's grace can reach down at any point in your life? Absolutely, and I'm thankful for that. <laughs> Absolutely thankful for that. But there is a parenting picture here of teach them about the things of God. I've often told you, as a, when, when God is doing something in your life as a family, call your children together and tell the story of that. Tell the story of who, who he is and what he is doing in your life. So I want to pass on this little parenting, this little parenting uh, in, encouragement here and challenge here to you. To the Shema, it was their last confession before a martyr's death or even a deathbed, even a deathbed confession. So they're teaching it to the children, especially a boy, uh, the, when they can speak their first sentences and then it's a confession right before they die. So they saw it at the beginning of life and at the end of life. So the morning and the evening and sometimes in the, in the middle, the beginning of life and the end of life, they taught them who the Lord says that he is. Why does he do this? Why, does, why is there instruction, even biblical instruction? Because we, men, we must never ever forget that he is our God and he is, he is God alone and there is no one like him and we are to have no other gods before him. And in, in light of what happened this week, we believe that God is the source of life, both physical, abundant, and eternal. And we believe in that. And we, we must create, do you see the pattern here? Morning and evening, sometimes in the noontime. Do you see the pattern when they can recite and, and learn to speak sentences and even the last confession on their deathbed? I want you to be able to see the pattern that is there, that is there. Even in their worship, it's there. So let's break this down of what the Shema is. Look at verse four. Listen, Shema Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord, he is one. Remember, this is the Lord saying this about himself. And he's saying, I'm the only God that there is. I am God alone and there's no one like me. Look at Hebrews eleven six. This is a life verse for your preacher here. I love this verse. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the one who draws near to him must believe, here's the line, that he exists. That there is no other one. I have nobody else to run to. And look at this blessing. He rewards those who seek him. Look at Deuteronomy 5, verses 6 through 10, which is the previous verse of where we are, which is part of the Ten Commandments. I, the Lord, Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery, which means don't forget that, <laughs> right? 
Uh, do not have other gods besides me. Do not make an idol for yourself in the shape of anything in the heavens above or in the earth below or in the waters under the earth. You must not bow down to them or worship them because I, the Lord Yahweh, your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin, father's sins to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Now, don't get bent out of shape with that verse. If you don't hate him, you have nothing to worry about. Okay, and you're going, how do you know that? Look at the next verse. Uh, it says, but showing faithful love to thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. Uh, he blesses those that love him. Uh, I want you to be able to see that. He, what is he saying? Don't forget, because if you're not careful, you'll put other things in front of him. You'll put other things in front of him. You gotta remember, and listen to this. You need a pattern. You need a pattern in your life to be able to remember the things of God. The world will run you and rush you. It'll beat you up. It'll do everything. And I do. I'm telling you, I believe this is a scheme of the enemy. I believe it with all of my heart. And that is any way he can drift you away from fixing your eyes on the Lord and putting your focus and your family's focus on him, I believe he will help cause that drift. And I believe hurry is one of those things. I believe hurry is one of those things. Look at verse five. It says that you are to love the Lord your God, and notice he says your God because he wants to be your God. With all of your heart, soul, and strength, you are to love him. Your heart is the center of your will and your emotions and your passion. Just so that you understand, uh, when, when people are, are lazy with something, like when I was in my, my, my ball playing days, if you didn't give everything, then I didn't want you on the field. I saw you as being half-hearted. Uh, even scripture tells us, the Lord tells us, I, I, don't, I don't, even though I can write on stable, uh, tables of stone, I would rather write on your heart. I would rather have the imprint on your heart. So it's, it's our passion and our emotions and our will is our heart. It's the center of who we are. Love him with all of your heart. Look at Proverbs 3, 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Listen, guys. Uh, I, I've said this even before the ruling this week. Um, sometimes I sit back on my desk and I have, I have Bibles open and I have study helps open and, and uh, I'm going, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. Russia, Ukraine, things in the world. There's, you know, Supply lines are damaged, gas prices are up. There are just a lot of things going on and we, we can focus on those things and, and it can bring worry and all kinds of issues in our life. And I, I'm going, and I, I even said this to him. I said, Lord, I don't know what you're doing and I don't have to know. I, I, I don't, when he has the counsel of heaven, I just don't think he says, I'm going to see if Jeff's not busy. Does he, he, I don't know that he includes me in that, but let me tell you something. I trust him. And you know why I trust him? Because of his pattern. I, I trust him through my own personal history and I trust him through the spiritual history of his word. I trust him for who he is. 
I don't know everything that's going on. I can't explain everything that's going on, but I know he's still in the work of redeeming his people. He's in the work of, of buying his people back to the, who the Lord is and what he has done and which we will remember today. Um, love the Lord. I trust him. How can I trust him? Because of his word, because of what he's done throughout a spiritual history and even my personal history. Uh, I know of what he has done in our lives. He says that you are to love the Lord your God with all of your soul. And that's where life is, right? He's breathed within us the breath of life. Even we say this in a committed way. We use this as a phrase today. And that is, it's do it with all of your heart and soul, which means all of you. There's even a few rock and roll, good old rock and roll songs have got heart and soul mentioned in them. It means a, it means a total commitment. And then it, it says you are to do it with all of your strength. Listen, there are some days I don't have strength. Like uh, Pat, a girl I graduated from high school with, her mother passed away on Monday in Camelsville. And then, uh, then Thursday there was two funerals and uh, uh, one was in Camelsville. And then I came back home to another one, uh, Tommy Hawkinsmith, who's in our church. His dad had passed away. And then I get up Friday morning and a dear friend of ours was killed in a car wreck in, in uh, Camelsville on Friday morning. So I'll be going back there tomorrow. And uh, uh, funerals and dealing with funerals just drain me more than anything that I do because I, I, I try to give everything of who I am because these people are suffering and they're grieving. And I tell people when I do a funeral, I tell them I'm gonna give you my best today. I say that to the Lord first, and then I say it to those people. And I come home when, more drained doing those things than anything. And my, my point in that is, there are some days that I don't have much strength, but what little you and I must have, love him with that. Love him with that. There are days that I'm stronger than others. Love him with that strength. There are days I don't have the strength. Love him with what you have. As all that you can muster, you love the Lord. Don't go saying, well, man, I don't have the strength today to love you, you did yesterday. Just remember what he said to Israel. Shema, Israel. Listen, Israel, I am the Lord God. There is no other God but me. And I am God alone. And whatever strength I have in that day, I want to be able to love him when it comes to that. Now, Jesus added mind in the New Testament. Jesus added with all of, your, all of your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And Jesus added, and with all of your mind. Why did he do that? I believe there's a reason why. In between the Old and the New Testament, there's some 400 years there. During those 400 years, you had a lot of philosophers that were welling up. And you had Socrates and Plato and Aristotle, and Aristotle was the philosopher that absolutely uh, was uh, one of Alexander the Great's greatest confidants. He had great influence. Aristotle had great influence on Alexander the Great. Coming into Israel, Alexander the Great was trying to make a Hebrew people a Greek people. In other words, it's called Hellenization, if you want that big word. But it is, uh, it is making them Greek, and they brought the philosophies in. All the Greek philosophies were coming in. And so I believe Jesus added this. 
Because in Romans, Paul says to the, to the people of Rome, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Philippians 2 says, have the mind of Christ. And I believe it's the teaching of Jesus and his apostles because there's been such an influence of the philosophers in those times. With all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your strength. And then because of the philosophy that's being invaded, Jesus said, with all of your mind. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two, is where I wanna take you. Keeping or fixing your eyes on Jesus. Listen, listen. I want you to hear me out. Don't, don't put words in my mouth. Don't add to. There's a lot of stuff going on right now, but keep your eyes fixed on the Lord, okay? Keep your eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus. He's the source and the perfecter of my faith, our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God's throne. Keep your eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus. Listen, we need patterns to be able to do that. Don't go thinking, well, I don't need a pattern. We need patterns. The Old Testament and the New Testament is full of people great men and women of faith who had patterns. And those patterns were a daily reminder of how they needed to know that he is God alone and that I am to love him. I have a, I have a thumb ring and I have a pinky ring and I'm not doing that to be cool because you can't be a preacher in 61 and be cool. It just doesn't happen, all right? Doesn't happen. <laughs> So I'm not doing this for any cultural thing in the world. And, and, and I did have a little Harley Davidson stint. I had a fat boy with ape hangers and tassels on it. And then I had an ultra classic whenever Julie would ride with me or I, I, you know, I didn't, but the ape hangers, I love, I love my fat boy with the ape hangers. I just want you to know that. And I didn't have the rings because I once drove a Harley or a couple of Harleys. Early on, we made a paradigm about the big five years ago. And we used a hand to, uh, to uh, be our, our visual aid of the big five. And so we just wrote it out of worship and evangelism and discipleship and fellowship and ministry. And so I put these rings on my hands, thumb and, and little finger, so that it's a daily reminder from it's part of my pattern. I'm not doing it to be cool because it can't be cool, right? You're a preacher and you're 61, it just doesn't happen. I'm doing it, I do this as a reminder to me. I see it, can I forget? I can, this is my calling. This is my calling. Can I be as busy as you? I can. And I can go through my day thinking, well, I'll get it tomorrow. I'll spend time with you tomorrow. <laughs> And then that day becomes even busier. I, I want you to hear a lot of things today, but I want you to see the need of a pattern because this world quickly wants to pull you out of anything that will fix your eyes on the one who has done more for you than anybody on earth. And so in preparation for this sermon, I went back to my younger Jeff days when he was a part of a youth group and we'd be a Christian youth group around a little campfire and we had already had our Kumbaya song. And uh, then uh, I, I remembered this song from when I was a kid. 
And so I, I, I want you to see the pattern in this, okay? And I, I'm not gonna sing it. I know right in the middle of it, you're gonna want me to. You're gonna go, you know, American Idol. America, preachers got talent, you know, that kind of thing. I know that's gonna happen. But just listen to the pattern. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus in the morning, Jesus at the noontime. Church, you know the rest of it. And Jesus, when the sun goes down, love him, love him, love him in the morning, love him in the noontime, and love him when the sun goes down. Serve him, serve him, serve him in the morning, serve him in the noontime, and serve him when the sun goes down. Praise him, praise him, praise him in the morning, praise him in the noontime, and then praise him when the sun goes down. Do you see the pattern? It matches. You, you need those patterns in your life. I don't know what your pattern will be, but you need them. Why do you need them? Because you need to be reminded, I am the Lord God. There is no one like me. Why? Because you'll get so busy that we don't even check the back seat. If, we need a, if I need a reminder to check the back seat, if I can forget the back seat, then I can easily forget my God. And it's important for you to have those daily built-in reminders of your life. Why? So that you keep your focus on the Lord Jesus. Fix your eyes on him, the author and the finisher of your faith. And that's what leads us to the time at the table even today. As we approach the table today, know that you're welcome to be a part. If you're a believer and you're a guest, you're welcome to participate in this. We practice open communion. Here's a place for you to quit your rebellion, for you to confess, for you to surrender, for you to lay whatever you need to lay down today. Is a place for you to do that. This is not my table. It's not our table. It's his table. And it's a table of remembrance. And we will remember his body given and his blood shed given to us, paying the penalty of our sin and sacrificing his life. It's the gospel message. You and I can be forgiven and free because of what he has done and we will remember him today in this place. You can come, you can take the cup and the, and the bread back to your seat. I normally keep staying in the altar and have my communion here. You do whatever you want in that but it's an invitation, the spirit and the bride, they say, come and remember what he has done for us. Let's have a word of prayer together. Bless this time. Father, we thank you for the indescribable gift of Jesus. We thank you for him, his sacrifice, wrath taken, penalty paid. We thank you. We thank you that uh, in the column of our life is righteousness, not because we put it there, because we can't. It's because he paid our debt and then he gave us in our column, he gave us the gift of righteousness only that he can give and we thank you. Lord, we thank you for the people that are yet to be made righteous through your work, through your promise, through your gospel. 
And today we remember you. We stop and we pause and we remember you and what you have done in our lives. I thank you for your body given and I thank you for your blood shed. Because of that, we are forgiven and we are free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we thank you for this freedom in you. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray, amen. I want you to take communion. I'm gonna have you stand here in a moment. Uh, but I also want you to listen to the song that Logan is gonna sing. It has a pattern. It has a pattern to it. A pattern of where we remember all that he has done for you and us. And today as we take communion, that's a pattern for the church. So come, eat, drink, and remember him for all that he has done for us. Church, would you stand? And you come.